Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. pastors here at St. Paul, and I'm so glad that you've tuned into this worship podcast today. If you think about it, all of us have a variety of different impulses, you could call it, or a reflex or instinct to do all sorts of different things. When you walk into your house and you catch the smell of warm, freshly baked cookies just out of the oven, and your mouth kind of instinctively just starts to water Or when you're driving and the stoplight turns yellow, it's your reflex that instantly tells you to slow down and stop, or maybe to speed up, I guess, depending on what kind of driver you are. We have all sorts of instincts that we don't really even think about, but they just drive how we act or think or respond to all sorts of things around us. So today, I want to think a little bit about how our faith plays into some of those instincts. Does your faith guide how you connect with other people? And if so, how? What does God hope for our lives of faith? Maybe an instinct that moves us towards compassion and love and care. 
Well, we hear such an example of this interaction between Jesus and a woman in deep need of healing and how Jesus kind of instinctively, immediately moves towards her needs. So first, let's take a listen to that story that comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away and give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. So now let's take a listen to a reflection on this story and how it might help us better understand our own instincts of faith. Well, uh, many of you may already know this little fact about me, um, but I am a a sucker for a good sports story. (laughs) So there was an especially good one about a week or 10 days ago or so. This beautiful exchange that took place um, in the middle of, um, or in the world of baseball, in the middle of a baseball game. It happened in the Southwest Regional Championship game between Texas and Oklahoma, a game that determined which team was going to go on to the Little League World Series, now taking place in Pennsylvania. I think the team representing Davenport is currently playing right now, so you can check the score after the service. <laughs> Not now. Um, <laughs> Maybe you've seen this video of, uh, of what happened between this game, of, between Texas and Oklahoma. It held this just wonderful interaction between two opposing players. The, vi- the video, I think, went viral shortly after it all happened, but it started when Texas pitcher, his name is Caden Shelton, he threw a wild pitch, just lost control of the ball, and it ended up hitting right on the side of batter Isaiah Jarvis's head, well his helmet, actually right kind of by his ear. And the play of course stopped immediately, he fell to the ground, the umpire and the coaches are making sure he's okay. Thankfully there was no injury, he was just fine, just looked a lot worse than it actually was, so he was able to get up and go take his place over first base. But as Isaiah is sort of catching his breath from getting whacked in the head and recovering from all the excitement, he turned around and quickly noticed that the pitcher was still visibly shaken, just totally distraught that he had hit this player. He was scared of what could, that it could have been a whole lot worse than what ended up happening. And if you watch this video clip of what happens next, you see a kid who abandons all kind of proper sports etiquette and just decides to show some love, some care to this pitcher of the other team. This player sees the pitcher in 
distress, struggling. And you can almost kind of imagine the rapid thoughts that are going through his head as he sees, looks over at the pitcher's mound. He decides it doesn't matter if we're on different teams. It doesn't matter if a trip to the World Series is on the line. It doesn't matter if as an athlete you're expected to be tough and act a certain way. What mattered to Isaiah Jarvis in that moment was that someone was hurting and there was something he could do about it, right? I'm guessing that that interaction, it caught the attention of so many people for a few reasons. This 12 or 13-year-old showed incredible maturity. That was so impressive. But more than that, it was instincts of compassion and kindness and empathy for another person. It set an example for how anyone at any age would hopefully choose to respond. I'm guessing that that this was not the first time that Isaiah had done something like this before. It might have been the first time it was caught on camera, but the interaction that unfolded the way it did, it was clearly because this was just sort of how he knew to respond. Something was pulling at his heart, an instinct toward love, and so he moved in that direction. It's a kind of compassion that's just ingrained in who you are. And what Isaiah Jarvis chose to do in that moment, it's not so different, really, from what we hear in this gospel story of what Jesus chose to do when he saw someone who was hurting too. Not so different from what we hope we are able and willing to do as people of faith too. Now, there are countless descriptions of Jesus healing different people throughout the gospels, and each story kind of has its own unique details or circumstances and Jesus heals people with all sorts of different challenges whether it be mental or physical or spiritual or emotional or some combination of all of those and with this story in particular the specific details have less to do really with this person's ailment and more to do with the timing of when this takes place it happens to be on the sabbath a day of rest And when you're bound by law, by commandment, to abstain from work, which in this case would be even the work of healing another person. So it's this Sabbath day when Jesus heals the woman who's been painfully bent over, unable to stand up straight, to look a person in the eye for the better part of two decades. And as this happens, one of the leaders in the synagogue is clearly a a stickler for detail, and he chastises, he, he, he's angry with Jesus for essentially doing work on the Sabbath, for breaking the law and exerting effort that could have, in his mind, or should have, just waited until one more day, just the next day. That's the guy's basic argument, is couldn't she have just come back tomorrow, follow the rules and do things in the right order, and so on. But Jesus' response is basically, Why? Why would you wait? Why does it matter what day it is or what others might think or even what the rules are that if you see a person who is hurting, in pain, otherwise struggling, isn't it our priority? More than focusing on some minute observation of law, that if there's something we could do to help, then our instinct 
should simply be to move towards that person, to help however we can. This man who's angry with Jesus, he's not a, a bad person. He's actually deeply religious. That's why he's in the temple. He has good intentions and he cares about a devotion to worship and right practice and right belief. But the problem comes when he's more focused on the letter of the law than he is on the heart of a person who's standing right in front of him. Could the woman have waited just one more day? What's one more day after 18 years? to come back and be cured when it wasn't the Sabbath? I suppose so. Could Jesus have chosen not to disregard the law and wait another day? Probably. But then all of us would be missing the point that God cares less about timing or a sense of etiquette or self-righteous faith or legalism that puts rules above compassion. And God cares much more about our ability to show that love, that compassion, right now. That the love and grace of God, this gift of God, insists that it cannot wait another day. What we see in, in how Jesus behaves in this story is that every day is the right day to care for one another. There is no wrong time to be overwhelmed by the peace and love of God. And God will stop at nothing, not even laws or commandments, to see that we are restored and made whole and renewed. And just as importantly, we are asked to do the same. Ultimately, the act of healing and helping, it will rarely be convenient, may not always involve people that we know and love, but it is the sacred duty that we are called and asked to be a part of as people of faith. When we think how Jesus chose to live his life here on earth, he had this kind of instinct, right? This instinct towards love and care, an ability to respond without hesitation to whatever he saw around him. And it leads me to wonder then, what, is, what are our instincts of faith? Just like when the doctor slaps your knee and your, your leg just sort of pops up like it's checking your reflexes. What is so ingrained in us that we, we don't give a second thought to what our response is? I was talking to a couple of parents actually right after this service last week in the gathering area. It was their last time worshiping together as a whole family before they took their uh, freshmen um, off to college and dropped them off. And so they were talking about the whole mix of emotions that it is to take your kid to college and adjust to the new dynamics of a quieter house back at home and all sorts of new things that comes with that. But as we were talking, the mom of this family said, you know, it's totally scary <laughs> to sort of send them out into the world to let some of that go and to bless them in their, in their new endeavors. But at some point, she said, you just sort of hope that you've taught them well, that they've got some kind of ingrained experience or impulse or knowledge to handle whatever comes their way, all these new things that they'll experience. And it dawned on me that I think that's kind of similar to what God's hopes are for each of us as children of God, 
that through Christ's example, through our own ingrained faithfulness, we have hopefully developed a kind of instinct toward grace and compassion and care, an impulse to immediately move toward others rather than first evaluating the circumstances or seeing how it fits in to our schedule. And it doesn't have to be great big acts of healing like Jesus or caught on national television like Isaiah. We're just asked to have a commitment to kindness and acceptance and compassion. The sorts of things that sound really simple but actually can be truly life-changing when you're the one receiving it from someone else. We are asked to cultivate this kind of faith that won't allow us to get caught up in complacency or thinking our love and care can just wait another day, one more day. And instead, my hope for all of us is that we continue to, to develop ourselves this kind of instinct, a capacity to care for others. Because God has first filled us with, with hope and healing, and so we get to go do the same for one another. So may we each feel this impulse toward compassion today and every day, no matter the circumstances. Amen.
will turn now to God in prayer, speaking those words Jesus taught us through the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Wherever you find yourself today, whoever you are interacting with, may you be blessed with the impulse of love and compassion and deep peace. And may we continue to hone our instincts of faith each and every day. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.